Ladies and gentlemen, the Handlebar is one of our favorite establishments here in Chica. We would not do this at the top of every show if we did not stand by what they offer, which, if you don't know, is an awesome happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., where you get a dollar off any of their 28 draft beers. They've also got a fantastic patio, an extensive menu of delicious food. I highly recommend the beer, cheese, and pretzels. If you've never been, they're on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street, right by Best Buy, right by Winco. Again, that's the handlebar. Go check them out for an awesome happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Hello. This week on the show, our review of Godzilla Minus One from director Takashi Yamazaki. It's a refreshing step away from the monsterverse Godzilla movies that we've seen in recent years. And in many ways, a return to form for one of the longest running franchises in film history, the movie stars Ryunosuke Kamiki as a kamikaze pilot at the end of World War II, who, after failing to complete his mission, survives the war only to find himself and his community at war with something far more destructive as a force of nature. But before we give you our thoughts on that, here's what we're drinking this week. We are featuring the brewery Shred out of Rockland, California. And I didn't say two beers from them because the second one's a collab. Fair enough. Little asterisk yeah. there. The first one is all Shred. It is called Mystic Vapors. It's a 7% hazy IPA. The second one is actually a beer from Cellar Maker that is a collab with Shred that they, I think it seemed pretty 50-50 from what I read, mm -hmm. uh, called Macrodose. And it's a West Coast IPA that's 8.2%. Both beers this week purchased at SNS Produce right here in Chico. Right here in Chico. If you're listening, uh, speaking of Chico, KZFR 90.1 FM. We hope you're having a terrific Saturday afternoon. On the radio version of our show today, you'll be hearing our episode almost in its entirety, which will eventually include spoilers for Godzilla Minus One. That said, those spoilers won't be until about 4.30. So if you haven't seen the film yet and you don't want it spoiled, you could go see the movie and then just listen to the podcast version of our show, which in addition to both of our beer reviews and thoughts on the film, includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment, which is exclusive to our podcast listeners. It's, it's how we catch up at the end of each episode and maybe give each other movie recommendations, beer recommendations, um, album recommendations, often recommendations mm -hmm. that don't make it to the, you know, the full discussion. And uh, it's, it's really anybody's guess. So stay tuned for that. That's right. To find all of that, you're going to go search for Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify. Maybe get that in that wrap next yeah. year. I want to see more of those next year. Sure. Uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. We've released new episodes every Friday since 2016, which means it's available to all of you listening right now on KZFR. If you like the show, please take five seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to let us know you did. Text us to brag or with feedback about the show, anything you want, really, at 530-433-0839. Again, the number for this podcast is 530-433-0839. To hang out with us on all of the social media websites and whatnot and the apps, all those things, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Yeah, or to do all of that in one place, go to patreon.com and then throw a little slash in there, type in Fresh Hop Cinema. That is our way of keeping this show afloat. 
um, with with all. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way to give people like us money, a uh, dollar or two dollars in this case per podcast episode, and we put that money back into the show. We put on things like bar hangs. We're having one tonight where we invite all of our patrons to a place of our choosing, often one of our favorite local watering holes, and we grab beers and we all talk about movies and we talk about beer and we talk about life. So that's kind of where the Patreon money goes. It goes into, uh, it goes almost exclusively all back into the show. So if you want to know more, again, patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. I think we have no more Patreon um, announcements to make. So let's get into beer number one. Um, and Johnny, as you're opening that, I will read this from the website. This is a collaboration idea crafted by founders Zach Frasher and Amy Heller. With a culmination of 20 plus years of brewing experience and fermentation science, we are excited to bring you highly aromatic and flavorful hoppy offerings, bright lagers, eclectic styles, and an extensive barrel program. This looks great to me. Thanks for pouring that up, man. That was nice. Um, this is called Mystic Vapors. Like you said, it's a hazy IPA and it's 7%. Would you please read me the description, sir? Yeah, it's going to be pillowy, soft, with an abundance of citra, galaxy, motueka, and Eldorado hops, complex flavors and aromas of honeydew, lime zest, and passion fruit, orange, and guava juice. Nice. I, I was looking forward to hearing you just say pog juice. Pog juice. Was, but yeah, yeah, I think some people wouldn't have known what that meant. Um, this is my kind of beer. I'm look, We had this conversation maybe off the air. I can't remember, but you were asking me like my go-to styles. Yeah. And I said like a New England or a hazy IPA is probably up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it was your go-to style. It is, right. Yeah, okay. And it's not yours. Um, I'm I'm excited because you're really hyped about these beers today. And I'm wondering if this one's going to kind of deflate that hype a little bit. Or if you've had your taste, do you, are you into it? I like it. Tell me why. It's very thick, which I enjoy. The mouthfeel is fantastic. You do get a ton of the... Um, Almost like the lupulin vibe of the hops, yeah, where it's yeah. it's you getting that robust flavor mixed with you know some some piney resinous notes from the hops. Not too sweet, which I love. Yeah, just a little bitter. Can, um, mm-hmm. kind of juicy. Yeah, kind of uh, kind of delicious. Can we talk about what it looks like for our listeners? Yeah, uh, I mean, it looks it it's right up there with the haziest of hazy beers I've ever seen. It right? looks like yellow milk. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> um, it's yeah, true, but it does. Though. It does. Um, it's it's, Ew. what Ew. yeah I know. When I think of hazy beers, the, the, the original stuff, I think of Julius that that comes to mind. Treehouse beers come to mind. Yep. And this is just as thick looking and and lacking in opacity, but it's it's quite a bit more yellow than orange, and I think that kind of sets it apart as potentially, um, m- maybe more indicative of something that is made in, in a newer school sort of West Coast uh, tradition than maybe something like a Treehouse beer, which has been made that way for, I don't know when Treehouse came around, but uh, a long time. At least a decade. Oh, I think, yeah, I think probably more than that. We've been around for almost a decade. And they were... Yeah. They were doing great before we started talking about it. Sure, <laughs> yes. But uh, I don't know if it was that much longer. Okay, w- would you, if you can find that out, that would be great. Um, I really like this, man. I think it's a super solid beer. I've only had one drink, but I was I was enjoying what I tasted, and I very much agree with what you said. It's it's super thick. It's robust. It's I think they use the word pillowy, which is just about right. Yeah. Um, super hoppy, not overly sweet. Two thousand and eleven for Treehouse. Okay. Um, it's great. I mean, I'm gonna take another drink and I'm gonna start looking for stuff I don't like because it's yeah. not jumping out to me, which is you know for me a pretty good sign. I'm also gonna set this can back down right I, there. I love the nose on it too. It's super orange juicy. It really does remind me of of a nice high quality pulpy orange juice. It does, man. I. I think it's a good thing. I mean, I, we need to, and by we, I mean like as a culture, I think we need to work on dialogue and descriptors that are a little bit more inclusive or or not inclusive, um, expansive 
for the different flavors that happen in beer because so often we do revert to oh, geez, it smells like orange juice or which it does, but there must be ways to to get into the nooks and crannies of the of the nuances between all these beers that you know in one adjective sound exactly the same because they're not. It, it has aromas of a ripe navel orange peel that has been freshly expressed. It does. Like we talk about orange you juice. Interrupted me. I said freshly expressed. Yeah. No, I heard. I want to express my orange peel on you. Uh, you've, you've expressed yourself as well. I get it. Um, there's some that are. We start with orange juice, and then it becomes a little bit more like overripe orange, or like even a grapefruit. I think we mean it smells like a citrus kind of juice. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't have a lot of grapefruit. It has a pithy orange quality. Yeah. Um, which I think is the reason it doesn't taste too sweet which is the reason it's working for both of us in different degrees. Oh, yeah. I really dig it, though, man. It's also not too heavily carbonated. You could convince me it's a little bit stronger. I might think it might be 8% because of that kind of hefty thickness to it. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, no, I haven't. I've had a second drink. Don't think I've found anything I dislike yet. Do you have anything that's jumping out to you as negatives? It's super solid. I mean, it's – no, I don't. There's no real negatives. It's obviously well-made, super, super balanced – uh, it's it's riding that like the newer style, like you said, with all the yeah. you know the beers you mentioned. Uh, pulp from Fieldwork comes to mind too mm-hmm. as something a little bit comparable back in the day, but pulp's sweeter. Pulp is sweeter, and and I think it was important you said back in the day because you and I revisited pulp. Um, maybe was it, that was in the early days we tried it for the first time on the show. Was that was episode one, dude? <sighs> is that right? I'm pretty sure. Pulp. No, you're right. You yeah. are right. It was episode one, the and, first beer we ever reviewed, and then we revisited it um, maybe two years ago. Or not even more recent. It could have been a year ago. Yeah, because you were down in SAC and mm-hmm. you went to the brewery and picked some up. Yeah, well, because it's partially because of that early on first episode syndrome. It's mm-hmm. a nostalgic beer for me. I've always loved field work. And I remember we tried pulp and we tried um, you know, pulp free, I think was the second one. Um, and they just it just didn't have the same pizzazz. And I don't think it was just because like we've drank more beers and our standards are higher. I, I think that beer, cause I'd had it over the years and that beer was consistently pretty good. It's fallen off. It bit. has. And I think this, you know, I like this more than I maybe liked pulp OG. That's this great. is really good. Yeah. This was canned in late October, by the way, and mm-hmm. we're recording this in, in late December. So it's, it's by no means old. It's not hot off the canning line necessarily, but it's, it's very good on the bottom of the can. They also say magic in every sip. I always like when there's little, little messages. Some isms. It feels like a Snapple. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when they stopped doing that on Snapple caps, but did they? They did. That's sad. I think they did. Um, a lot of Snapple comes in plastic now. Yeah, that's so right. I think that's part of the reason. You could still print something on there. Give me a little. I, I know. Love, do I something. Love the Snapple. Facts. I, but I, this is. I think that's scratching the stage. Like, oh, what's it going to say today? Magic in every sip. Mm-hmm. How lovely. Um, do you want to give it an out of ten, or should we talk about anything else about the beer or or the label or anything? I do love the label, and they they are a newer brewery, so it's nice to see. I mean, they they have a ton of experience, obviously, like you had mentioned, but right. for a, a relatively new to the scene name on sure. a brewery. Do you know how old the brewery is? They started late last year, early this year. Like they're as brand a brewery, new. yeah. Shred's brand oh, new. Oh snap, dude! I didn't know that. Yeah, so Shred is the dude from Slice. What happened to the, him working at Slice? That he went and did his own thing. Oh, yeah. Well, that's great. That also that makes some sense. He's not. It's obviously not like a new brewer. Exactly. Um, nothing against people that want to start off and start brewing. I feel like often the the sequence of events is like home brewing in your closet, and then at what? some point you take the plunge or the like, kitchen, maybe sure, whatever. In like a dark space, you know, you put it in the dark for a while, for a couple of weeks. You keep it in a cool, dry place, cool, dark, dry place. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Then they're like, well, I got to take the leap, so I'll get like a larger brewery. I'll, I'll come up with a brand name. And they start selling beers, and often it tastes. You know, like a homebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's some good home brews, but those of us that have tried bad home brews know what I'm talking about. And this has none of that. This is like somebody's been brewing beers that knows what they're doing for some time. Yes. Uh, and it's it's very clear in in the beer that I'm drinking at least. No, absolutely. So I I dig it. I don't get super hyped on this style. Like I'm I'm just not excited about this beer. Um it's great. It's not my favorite style, and I think yeah, I just I can't get excited. I gotta, you have I, that's I, worth noting. You have gotten excited about the style when it's a, when it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I'm just saying that for people that don't. That's know. That's true. Like you've gotten. I forget. I think you've given out a ten to a hazy before. There's a perfect hazy out there. There must be right. Yeah. But this isn't it for you. Um, it's not it for me either. But it's very good. It's very good. I'm, it's, like I'm super into it. It's like upper tier of hazies. It's for me. There's nothing that's really shining as a, a star in like a flavor profile okay like sure. the overall flavor is very kind of, it's trending towards almost neutral You're making it's, me change my rating that's so smart You're it's right. orange juicy but very neutral mm-hmm. and very straightforward and not super nuanced it, it really is kind of a straightforward one-dimensional it is flavor profile yeah where a lot of those like you said it, it kind of has those waves or it just gets a little bit juicier this is I like it that it is straightforward like that, but that makes it less exciting. It know? does. It's it's a safer beer. I think when people make uh, particularly hazies like that, it's um it's a safer bet. Like you're not going to mm-hmm. offend anybody, but you're maybe not going to wow them either. Totally. I and, could see this being their like flagship hazy. That's a it's yes, absolutely. Like, if you were going to mass market a beer, yeah. put it in a million cans. Yeah. This would be a great beer. And a, yeah, totally. Um so I've changed my rating. I, I was writing down a 9 as you said that. And I changed it to an 8. Because it's not quite nine territory, but I, I do think it's a solid eight. Would happily drink it again, as you may have noticed. I mm-hmm. poured myself some more. Um, I didn't leave a ton for you. Sorry That's about fine. that. Um, but what do you think, Johnny? Mystic Vapors out of 10? I think it's a fantastically made beer. Um, I, the flavor profile for me is just a bit too pedestrian to get much higher than a score. that I. It's like a 7.2. Seven point two, a totally respectable rating. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's it's in the probably top ten hazy IPAs I've had this year. Yeah, I mean, yes, and it's worth the end of the year. That's mm-hmm. saying something. Yeah. Um, mental note for the future: when the next inevitable installment of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie comes out, can we queue up this brewery again? We should because they introduced Shredder in the last movie. Yeah, I think that would be sweet. Agreed. Um, do you have any more thoughts on this beer for now, sir? I think it's worth a try. The price was was moderate. It was yeah. very affordable, sixteen okay. ounce can. Um. Yeah, if you like hazy IPAs and don't really need anything that's going to – it lacks razzle-dazzle, mm-hmm. but this is just a great, straightforward, yeah. everyday yeah. hazy IPA. Agreed. I think that's a really, really yeah. great thing to say. Give it a whirl. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. I'm saying that because you might be listening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you've tried Mystic Vapors and you uh, – I don't know. If you think we're totally right or you think we're super wrong and you think it's a disgusting beer, either way, get in touch. Please let us know. Um, you can leave a voicemail. You can send a text. Our phone number here is 530-433-0839. Positive or negative, we do love feedback. Again, our number is 530-433-0839. Hey, if you like the show, help us out. Please leave us a five-star rating or a review uh, or or just a, a, a wingdings code with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. What's Please. a wingdings code? You remember wingdings? Um, you know, it was like a font in Microsoft Word. You'd have like Times and Roman. You'd have Comic Sans, oh. and like right at the bottom, it like webdings and wingdings, and it was just like oh. maybe it was real, but it just looked it was like symbols. It was just gibberish. Yeah, totally. Weird. We'll take it. Is the point? Uh, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> it only takes a couple seconds, and it's one of the most effective ways to help get our show in front of new potential listeners. Somebody had to tell you, or you read a five How did you get here? Review. Yeah. Yeah. That's help, how. Help others. Somebody else here. did this. Yep. Exactly. What's next, you ask? It's a trailer for our movie of the week, Godzilla Minus One. If you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so please don't go anywhere. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. It's a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're sadly going to be missing out on some gold that's available exclusively to our podcast listeners. So if you'd like to hear the whole episode, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found by you. It's currently available for your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, if you're just dying to know what all that hot and bothered fuss is about, please go have a listen. Okay, again, that was a trailer for Godzilla Minus One. The film stars Ryunosuke Kamiki as a kamikaze pilot at the end of World War II, who after failing to complete his mission, survives the war only to find himself and his community at war with a far more destructive force of nature. It's the infamous Kaiju Godzilla, of course, uh, angry and radioactive from U.S. military nuclear testing. The film deals with huge themes that have been sorely missing in the U.S. Godzilla films in recent years, I think. Uh, things like survivor's guilt, um, Japanese familial culture, responsibility, the destructive power of man, and the evils of war. Um, it was written directed, like I said, by Takashi Yamazaki with um, special effects supervision by the director. And um, Kyoko Shibuya, who, who was not the head of the special effects department, um, Shiragumi Studio, but kind of oversaw the whole thing. And I'm hoping at some point we can talk about special effects and budgets and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's the only reason I'm saying it off the top is because um, it's it's notable. Mm -hmm. um, bear with me on this next part. Here's who's in it. Uh, like I said, Ryunosuke Kamiki plays Koichi. He's the he's the pilot that I mentioned. You also have Minami Hamabe. Uh, she plays Noriko, who is a woman who, after the bombing of Tokyo during the war, uh, kind of shows up and and he kind of takes her in with this child that she's taken in and kind of they form this this strange little family. Um, other people of note, um, Yuki Yamada, he plays Shiro. He's a kid who who didn't actually have to fight in the war, and he's kind of a stand-in for this metaphor of you know innocence. And and he's the whole movie. He's like, I always I could have fought, and like I wish the war had gone longer. Like I could have been that, a contender. Like I could have been a soldier. And then everybody's like, Dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Be quiet. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of people. The only other person I will mention now is uh, Munataka Aoki. He plays Sosaku, who is the technician who, at the beginning of the movie, when Koichi lands his plane claiming it's faulty, it's the guy that is like, there's nothing wrong with your plane, you're a coward, then Godzilla attacks, and then he's the those two are the only survivors, basically. Mm -hmm. So there's some resentment there. I think it's nice to set up those characters. Um, the movie came out in Japan first, but then came to the States here in early December, had a, had a sort of limited 
theatrical release, and we got it, um, which I thought was great. We saw it with subtitles, which I also thought was great. Mm-hmm. And it runs two hours and five minutes. Johnny, what did you know about this going in? That's my second question. <laughs> my first question is, what's your relationship with the Godzilla f- movies? I've seen all of them that have come out. All of them? Well, I've seen... I probably have. I used to watch a lot of the old school Godzilla movies, like the black and white. Uh, yeah, um, it's possible. And then definitely since, uh, what's his name, Matthew Broderick era Godzilla, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. which people forget about. No, that's the one I came up on. I like that movie. Okay. I okay. think it's okay. still pretty fun. Um, I think they gave Godzilla a great jawline in that movie. It, he had a, Matthew, he had a it's really like in New York City. Yeah. And like the Godzilla dies on the bridge, but like he puts his hand on his heart, like Jurassic Park style yeah. or something. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solid movie. It's all right. Uh, so I'm very familiar with the movies that have come out. I watched, you know, the Godzilla Kong movies that are still rolling out. There's a new one coming out soon, too. I know. Yeah. It's fine. I know. Yeah. It's whatever. It's not this movie. And no. Whatever. Okay, yeah. that's your relationship. What did you think um, of this, and what did you know going into this movie? Because so, you suggested it last week on the show. Oh, I insisted. I didn't it. know, because I thought it was like a monster version. I was like, I don't care to see it. And you were like, we're seeing it. I was like, oh, all right, I guess. Yeah. I don't have a counter-argument. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Um, I knew it was a Japanese film, so it was a, a foreign film being released here domestically. I knew it was in subtitles. I knew it was rating incredibly high okay. on like Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. Like it is incredibly high for a Godzilla movie, incredibly high for a movie. Incredibly high for a movie. I think okay. I checked yesterday. It's got 92 critic, 98 audience on is Rotten that right? Tomatoes right now. Wow. Yeah, double check, see what wow, it's at wow, today. Wow, it might have wow. gone up. Sure. Uh, and it's holding like a eight seven on IMDb, I believe. So I knew that it had really good ratings, and a lot of the more comic book transformery feeling mm-hmm. Godzilla movies that have come out recently did not hold that kind of gravitas. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. So it was on my radar for that, and it looked um, just from what I had seen. hadn't read much about it. I try to avoid trailers and reviews and stuff before we see a movie. I. Rotten Tomatoes is different. That's just a number. It's an arbitrary. Yeah, like, it gives you a sense of kind of. It's a fantastic barometer. Um, so I really just knew that it was a, a really highly rated, buzzy. People were talking about it. It was on in the the zeitgeist of yes. what's happening in film right now. Um, and I I knew I wanted to see it. What'd you think? I thought. It was fantastic. I was super stoked. Mm-hmm. First of all, it was fantastic that I just walked in and you were sitting in the the front row right on the rail. Should we tell this story really it quick? It was great. Well, so I was there because my mom came to visit for a day. And, um, you know, I was like, I don't know, you want to see a movie? And like, I got to see this Godzilla movie. But we could see it in the XD theater because I'm sure it's just like stuff blowing up and Godzilla being mad. Um so we're in there and like we had just uh, eaten before, so I didn't have popcorn or anything. So I was in there like fully in like it was very strange. It was like just podcast watching. Like I wasn't excited for the movie. I love going to the movies, but I wasn't like oh I can't wait to see this movie. Yeah. And then like the you were even there before the trailers. Yeah. And I see this this assertive stocky fella come in, and I'm like that looks like Johnny. <laughs> and it sure was. You had a little tub of popcorn. You just yeah. kind of. And then we we met, we, you know, it was like a meet cute in yeah. a rom-com. I was like, hey, hey is it you? And, and sure enough. Yeah. And so then you sat in the front row. You changed your seat. I, dis- I disregarded the rules. I was a rebel. It How was great. How many people were in that theater? Ten? Eight. Yeah. Ten. Okay. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it was very fortuitous. Yeah. So you walked in there we were. It was fun. We get to watch. It's been a while since we watched a movie together. It's great going to the movies, especially when you have a friend. Yes. It's better. It was a blast. Okay. So I loved this movie. I really did. I'm. Con- it's a confident love. It was... Such a unique yet familiar feeling take on mm-hmm. Godzilla mm-hmm. movies. 
the action was incredible. The visual effects were really solid. Great. It elicited very strong tension. There was there was weight to this. There was anxiety inducing moments. It wasn't just giant monster smash city. There was right. nuance to Godzilla's performance, I'll say. I'll put that out there in the universe. Okay. I think that there was definitely a lot of excellent juicy tension created in some of the scenes that it was palpable. I think there was a few scenes where after they ended, we all kind of let out a deep breath. And totally. I was like, okay, good. It's not just me. Um, but where this movie shined was how they made it personal. They made it about people. It was as much about Godzilla as it was about the people fighting him. And I think that was so refreshing. And the story of, of Koichi was super um, engaging. It elicited yeah. empathy immediately because it's like – He's a kamikaze fighter that's kind of defected. And immediately I'm yeah. like, yeah, I get it. Get dude. it, dude. Why I, would you? <laughs> I feel you, dude. There's the line in the show where one guy, after he's landed on the island, comes over and is like, hey, I understand why you did what you did. Like, what's the point in following orders to kill yourself when when the war's basically yeah, over? Yeah, the war's winding down. So I, I loved that story arc. There's, you know, and the, the journey that he takes, and we'll get more into it in Danger Zone. It's a little bit spoilery. Um, but he goes on in kind of a, pretty immense personal journey of, of growth and discovery and, and getting over some self-loathing. Yeah. And it, this movie was incredibly deep in its tones and its, mm -hmm, its, mm -hmm. its, its ideas and the things that it's dealing with. And that was a little unexpected. Like I knew it was going to be a little bit more like people centric, but I didn't realize that that would be, in my opinion, the primary focus of the movie. It was, it was more about their experience and, also Godzilla's here. Yes. Which I thought was a great balance. It was it was compelling. It was entertaining. I did have a little bit of an issue with kind of the second act. For me, it got a little slow. Okay. Drug yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. There there was a solid 20 minutes where I was like, okay. Right. Okay. We pay attention. Right, right. There's a lot of reading, and I'm fine with subtitles, but it it was a bit more heady and it got into the more, you know, plot stuff, which it was great. But yes. that took me out of it just a little bit. But that was probably my only critique okay. of like the overall plot stuff. So big fan. I can totally see why it's swarming the nation. This mm -hmm. wasn't just a, a blockbuster movie. Like it was a movie. Like you leaned over at the end and you're like, I didn't know this was like a, well, I uh, like a movie movie. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah right. That's what, yeah. Okay. Out so, of 10. Johnny. I loved it. Out of 10. I've been wrestling with this since we saw it just because of those issues in the second act. Yeah. And it took me out of it just enough for it not to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that that's a word that's been in my head the whole time. Like, is this a 10? Why is it not yeah. a 10? Uh, it's a 9-4. It's really high rating. It's, I loved this movie. It is going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. I think it breathed new life into a franchise that was stagnating in commercial um, just bubblegum, super not good land. Sure. As eloquent as yeah, I Exactly. Yeah. Very, very concise. Yeah. It was, I mean, <laughs> no, this franchise has gotten commercialized to death. Yes. And it, it's- By Americans. By Americans. Okay. Yeah. So the fact that this came from Japan and they, he just did it so well. It's an, it's a 9-4. It was, it was fantastic. I, I didn't know much about the history of the Godzilla franchise because I was raised, yeah, with like, the, was it Matthew Broderick? That's who was in that? Yeah. Um, I just, you know, it was like an action movie that I saw as a kid and it was like a monster kind of, but mm -hmm. 
whatever. And like the spectacle was in the destruction of not even full cities. Like I don't even think that Godzilla was that big in the it was pretty big. early 2000s. Was it? I mean, he wasn't this big, was he? Yeah. Really? Maybe. I don't know. This one felt huge. Yeah. Um, Which so, they did a good job with the scale. Yeah. So I, again, I, like I went in thinking mindless action movie because I we you know we saw Godzilla versus Kong or whatever like and a couple of those I've seen in recent years and that's like kind of my relationship with Godzilla. The difference here from the American movies that I've seen, to say nothing of the thirty-two movies that were made before America got involved since nineteen fifty-four. Is that it's like it's a you know it's about watching the monster destroy stuff and it's really lost a lot of the essence that this movie I think brings back based on what I've learned in the past few days, and it's like I, I think in in the Japanese culture like a, a kaiju is basically I think it translates to like a strange beast basically, and Godzilla is like a huge one in the vernacular of Japanese culture because it's been such a a mainstay in in their film for sure um, and probably other stuff but it's it's was invented as like a metaphor for like the military industrial complex and and the horrors of war and like the senseless violence and like and you lose that in a lot of the American stuff and this brings it back in a way that I had no idea it was coming mm-hmm. so it was really well done and I didn't expect it which is great <laughs> um I thought the performances were fantastic I think pretty much every main character gets at least a moment to test their acting chops and they all rise to the occasion really well I felt more emotional in scenes than I expected. I was more invested um, from an action point than I thought. There's some great plane work in here that I haven't seen since like Top Gun. Right. I don't think it's real planes, but it's great. Like really gripping action, great special effects. Like you understand the emotional stakes of this movie without even reading the subtitles, I think, which is sometimes hard to pull off. Um, it's really great, man. Um, I agree with you. It's not perfect. There's there's some pacing stuff that I, I'm with you on. Mm-hmm. Um I think some of the auxiliary characters aren't given enough of a backstory and are there just to fill a role mm-hmm. and they don't feel like real people to me and that <laughs> sucks. So I, you know, that, that was hard to connect with as well, but I think it's really good. I mean, as far as, you know, quote unquote monster movies go, it's gotta be up there in, in the top few for me, maybe ever. Um, but it's just as a movie for, you know, out of 10, it's, it's like an eight for me. It's really good. I'm, I'm stoked about it. It's a it was, great score. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I've got in terms of general thoughts. I'm I'm stoked to kind of talk about spoilers and get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, if you are feeling like we can go that direction. I'm game if you are. Okay. Then one final warning. Let me read my little spiel here. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. I'm saying that because if you didn't click on your podcast app on your phone, you might be listening on KZFR. Uh, if you've got thoughts on anything we've discussed on the show so far today, please do get in touch. Um, again, our phone number here is 530-433-0839. Shoot us a text or send a good old-fashioned email, speaking of texts. Um, that was me. I was texting the podcast. <laughs> uh, to fhccast at gmail.com. When we come back, like I said, we'll be discussing Godzilla minus one with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, consider this your second to last warning. Don't touch that pause button on your phone or your radio dial, and we'll be right back with the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. We're spoiling Godzilla minus one. If you haven't seen it, that's it. You can go watch it. You can pause the podcast. You can come back and listen once you've seen it. That's your last warning. Let's get into um, what we want to talk about, and it may include spoilers. Let's do it. What was your favorite? Can I get your favorite, um, not to put you on the spot, but like your favorite emotional scene from the movie or maybe your favorite human scene versus your favorite Godzilla scene? Mm, There was a few good ones. Koichi's got such uh, an intriguing arc that he goes through. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I really liked his performance when he kind of had that breakdown when in their house mm -hmm. and just kind of lost it. And, you know, I don't know if I'm real. Am I already dead? That whole yeah. scene was like, that was one of the moments where I'm like, my eyes are a little wet. Yeah, right. Like, oof, right. I didn't right. expect to get uh, moist in the face during mm -hmm. this Godzilla movie. Um, and then there was a lot of, of interactions between him and the child uh -huh. that were pretty sweet. Totally. Those kind of got me. I didn't write down the kid's name, but cute kid. Cute kid. Good. Uh, there's one scene, though, where the kid just has to start crying. Yeah. Um, and that was a little, like, what, whatever. It's like a two-year-old, but I was like, oh, that doesn't feel organic. It was like, there's. Like, they... I feel like somebody just scared her off camera, and she's like, ah! Did somebody pinch that baby? <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. Her yeah. feet were not in the shot. Right. So who knows? Uh, and then his favorite monster scene. Yeah. I think when he gets into what was not Tokyo, but the other city. Uh, uh, yeah. Giza? Ginza. Ginza. Um, I really liked that uh, montage there of when he was in the city with the train. Uh, and the, on the train, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Also, pretty much whenever Godzilla's half out of water, that Dude. is just the most gnarly. When they're like, when the camera's like water level and then he's like doing this, like swimming mm -hmm. toward and you got his little eyeballs, like a, yeah. like a huge radioactive alligator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was cool. Really, yeah, really inventive shots. I don't think I've seen that in other Godzilla movies either. Like, I, yeah, we'll talk about special effects. Yeah. And I think that's why it worked so much with scale. Like they mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. captured the essence and the scale of this, the size of this creature we're looking at. They yeah. conveyed it in a way that like it was very believable and fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And you get those close-ups too, which helps. Because I think in traditional sort of Godzilla movies, it's all wide shots on on smaller, you know, scaled down cities. Mm -hmm. And you always get these like huge shots of Godzilla like destroying buildings that are this big. But we get close-ups of this thing. And like you see textures on its body and it's like, there's a scene where its head kind of gets blown up and then comes back together, mm -hmm. which is like, ugh. Yeah. But it's like, it's like I don't remember, I can't remember what it reminded me of, but like something. Mm. Uh, like almost like a Wolverine sort of healing factor, yeah. um, but grosser because mm -hmm. it's like lizard scales and like gooey and slimy and very. <laughs> yeah, like very, if that sort of ASMR is your thing, you could replay that particular scene over and over and you'd be set for life. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, okay. I think for me, the favorite emotional scene, the human emotional scene was was the reunion at the end. We thought Noriko's yeah. dead and she sacrifices kind of herself to save him at one point, which doesn't help his confidence, by the way. Right. He's like, okay. Oh, I already like, had survivor's like, guilt. You know, like he he failed as a kamikaze, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable really saying that, but that is his perspective. I thought you were going to say he failed at Comic-Con. No, he uh, doesn't shoot Godzilla yeah. when he has the opportunity, which I think, you know, in retrospect, probably for the best. Better move, yeah. They shouldn't have shot at Godzilla either. Nobody should have. At that point in the movie, I was like, so clearly the message is that Godzilla is just hanging out, trying to be Godzilla, and then he, it's not until you are aggressive to him that mm -hmm. he fights. And then as the movie goes on, I'm like, no, this thing's destroying everything. Yeah. There's, like, almost in a mean way. Like, he's, he's, not, really, yeah. he's, like, trying to mess up humans. Like, he's pissed off and he's mad about it. Totally. Uh, he's pissed off and he's mad about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the, the reunion at the end when we realize she's alive, which I'm really happy about. Like, I would have it would have been okay if she died, like... I guess I could see it from a storytelling perspective. It makes sense. Like that, if that was the thing that finally allowed him to find his courage, like everybody I've been able or should have been protecting has died because of my uh, inaction. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I'm glad she survived. Me Why too. I was so lovely. I was stoked. So I started getting teary at that point because um, mm -hmm. she asks him, "Like, is your war finally over?" Uh, it was great. Such a good scene. Um, and I think, I mean, there's lots of really good Godzilla scenes. Yeah, there it, were. It really captures, like, just the mayhem of that, what was the game called? 
Rampage. Rampage. The mayhem of that thing just crushing through cities. Like, you stand no chance. Yeah. It's just insane. Mm -hmm. There's that scene with the reporter on the roof. Oh, that was so good. What are you so doing, good. dude? Yeah. Get out of there. Yep. Um, I love the, the nonchalant destruction. When yeah. he's just like kind of walking his tail. and you just see his foot just go through a building and it yeah. doesn't break stride. The, the yeah. nonchalant. It's great. Just, yeah. just destroy is so cool. Um, I love the attention to detail when it comes to his radioactive heat wave, yeah. like his back spines ejecting, like they're charging up and like you could, cause that's a great visual cue for the audience. Like we know he's only got so many scales up his back. Like when those things run out, something's going down mm -hmm. uh, and it goes down. It's about to pop off. That is a crazy thing that they, I'm. I'm. Mean, it's not the first movie they've added that for, but like, it's like a. It's like a. It's like a atomic bomb that shoots out of his mouth and destroys everything. Yeah, very scary. Very so tense. So cool. Um. Again, they got they nailed the scale, like the absolute sheer yes, like scope yes. of the destruction that he causes with yeah. that is yeah. like very well articulated. The other tie into Top Gun, which I will make now, is that Whoa. that movie was great at ratcheting up the tension. Mm. And like, I remember sitting in the theater watching that for the first time, just like as they were doing the, even the trial runs up the mm -hmm. thing, I was like, my heart was beating a little faster. I was like kind of gripping my seat. I was like, Ooh, I hope they make it. They did that here too. And I think part of the genius of both of these movies is that we, as the audience understand the goal of this really elaborate plan where everything has to go right for it to work. Mm -hmm. It happens in Top Gun, it happens here when they talk about these Freon tanks. Like you understand how the plan has to go for everything to work. And there's all these things that if they don't go right, the plan fails. So there's the Freon tanks and the idea, and we get this visual explanation of it where we get to see in a tiny little tank <laughs> and we're sitting there with like this town hall and we're like, oh, so that's what will happen. You surround it by Freon, it sinks to the bottom of the ocean. And then just in case, we'll shoot them back up with a flotation device. So we know what's supposed to happen before it does. And in this case, everything goes right and it still doesn't work, which leaves us with the Koichi scenario that it's been building up the whole movie, which is like, does he finally have to fulfill his kamikaze pilot thing? And we're all like, I really hope not. But he's like, I must to, to fulfill my, you know, I got to, to honor, to bring honor to myself. And vengeance, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that whole final scene was really fantastic. Just yeah. the logistics of how it plays out and, and the fact that we're kind of on board with the whole time was great. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of my highlights of the movie. Um, where do you want to go from here? Hmm. Uh, let's talk budget because that's one thing that came up let's immediately after. Uh, I miss You don't, nobody knows. You don't have to tell them. What's that? Nobody knows. Oh. Except me. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, I misquoted the budget okay. right after the movie because it was so impressive. I thought it was made on $5 million. I said there's no way. Yeah. Uh, it turns out it was actually made on a quoted budget uh -huh. of $15 million, which mm -hmm. in the grand scope of blockbuster films is still nothing. Pretty low. Pretty low. And uh, yeah. the, the director has been quoted as saying, I wish the budget were actually that high. For some context, uh, you mean as high as like some of these other movies? No, as high as $15 million. What was it actually? Nobody, he won't say. Oh, okay. But he I, he alludes to the fact that it wasn't 15. Oh, I see. Yeah, for context in like American blockbuster movies, like if I'm if I'm remembering right, like you, I'm talking like big sort of exploding sort of blockbusters. Like mm -hmm. we're talking anywhere from like 50 million to like 120 million up to like, you know, 200 million for like your avatars and your yep. Fast and Furious kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah it's way on the low end. Yeah, the average is 100 million. Is it right? That's average. Okay, yeah. I thought it was lower than that, but fair enough. Um, yeah, the special effects look great. There's there's some weird feeling of them being very new and modern, but also having 
like having a real tactile feeling of special effects that were practical. And I don't know how they achieved that necessarily. I imagine it's by mixing the two, special and practical effects. Yeah. But you get the first time he finally kind of gets up out of the water. We almost get like this shot of him from like chest up, just above his little gut, which I thought was cute, but also weird and funny. Well, he have a pooch. Like his little arms and his, like he's been eating good, Mm -hmm. I think. But like you get the shot, it's just like, it's just like chest up and- the camera like holds still, like rises up and holds still, and like he's not moving, and it feels like a scale, like just a model. Like it feels like they took a freeze frame for a minute, and I was like, "What's happening? This isn't is it is it a is it like a CGI or is it a thing?" It was this perfect blending of because it felt nostalgic in a way. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I think it was very smart use of that budget, whatever they spent it on. Yeah, I think part of it was throwing ships across the town. Yeah. That was I laughed out loud at one point. They're like about to set off on their final mission, and just like one of the warships just. All everyone just goes. Oh no! And then the captain's like, "We launch anyways," and everybody's like, "At least me." I was like, "Maybe we don't launch, right?" Like, I think we abandoned ship. Literally, we gotta go. He can throw us. Get out of here! Yeah. Um, What are we doing? But I really like that commentary because, because you know, um, to my knowledge, the the involvement of Japan in World War II and and more specifically of, of citizens who got drafted, like they're not stoked about it. So the fact that this this battle is one they chose, they say no. Enough is like we are defending our own, mm-hmm. and we're just citizens this time. And some of us are soldiers, some of us are not. But nobody's making us go do this, and yeah. we're going to defend our land yeah. against this monster who is just a monster, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's no like humanizing of Godzilla in the end, um, like there was in the Broderick one, where it's like, oh no, it's dying. That's kind of sad. It's like he's got to go. Mm-hmm. I think they did a really good job there too. Yeah. Very good delineation. There's a line in the sand here. Do you like how Godzilla goes out? I do. I it, was it was pretty gnarly. It's pretty rad. They blew his head up. They blew his head up. They drove or flew a plane into his mouth. Full of explosives. Also, the way that the plane stopped made me laugh. Yeah. Like, it was just like, chunk, boom. It was great. Yeah. And then, of course, Koji, yeah, ejects, which mm-hmm. I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. And plus, it's the guy who had despised him and given him the most grief about not being a kamikaze. Who put in the ejection seat, which I thought was a nice touch. Right. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And he was so happy when he was saved. Yes. Which I think maybe was unearned a little bit. Like I don't I don't know if I buy that based on how long that guy hated him. Right. But okay. Took Fine. a lot to forgive him though. That's true. Do you have anything else on Godzilla? Minus one. Man, it was just so good. I feel like I could just gush about it more yeah. and how happy it made me. Mm-hmm. But uh technically wise, no, I don't have a whole lot more. You gonna watch it again? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, me too. I mean, I would. I, it's it's cool because it serves dual purposes. Like you can watch it for the the emotional human arc and the the movie making qualities and the you know like cinephile kind of qualities. And you can watch it as a fun exploding movie. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get that balance right. And this movie did a really good job. Yeah. Here's beer number two. Let's do it. All right, we'll be right back after this very fun sound. All right, we're back with beer number two, Johnny Summers. Uh, it's called Macrodose. Would you please present the can for our viewers to see? Like you said earlier, it's a West Coast IPA. It is 8.2%. And I would love if you would please read the description again. Yeah, dude. I love me a good Macrodose. It's a West Coast IPA that's 8.2% from Cellar Maker, we read. 
When Amy and Zach from Shred Beer Company started talking to us about brewing a hoppy collaboration, we knew we weren't about to shy away from using some hard-hitting hops. Macrodose goes big and bold, flexing some extremely dank hops. Up front, we added some Columbus Cryo right at the start of fermentation to thoroughly infuse the piney, tangy marijuana notes. Then we highly dry hopped with mosaic simcoe and some of the most amazing new zealand nectaron we have ever smelled so sit back breathe easy and get ready for the macro dose to kick in i like that some uh, breweries in their description will kind of like hint like it's there's a dank there's a yeah there's like you know like a a weedy quality to this but i won't say what it actually is in this beer. it's you know it's like marijuana yeah it's like tangy tangy marijuana yeah um where do you come down on beers that are very forward uh, in the in the weed department, I'm good with it. Totally fine. Yeah, it's it does seem to be kind of the winning num the winning lotto ticket for West Coast dankiness. Like it those because I don't actually know on a on a plant level, but but marijuana and hops are like fairly similar. They're in the same genus. They are. Is that yeah species genus family something above that? I can't remember how it goes, but there's an acronym for it that you learn in elementary school. Yeah, some of us did. Yeah. Um, okay, me too. You've tried it. I'm going to try it for the first time. What are your initial thoughts on this thing? You know, for as big and bold and aggressively hoppy as it is, yeah. it's, <laughs> it. you just put your whole nose in that. I, well, so I, for, yes, a little peek we, behind the curtain. I didn't, no, I didn't, I didn't put we my have, nose in it. We have that on It film just spilled now. down my mouth because I'm not usually used to putting this much beer in our tasting glasses, but I poured it on camera. I was like, I better fill it up so it looks like a good pour. And I just poured it down my mouth. Bravo. I'm so happy we have GoPros so now. So continue. Yes. So for as big and aggressive and boldly hoppy as it is, it's still kind of light drinking, which is, that's fun. I like that, that it's just still goes down kind of easy. But man, it is punchy. It doesn't hit you all at once, but then out of nowhere, it's like, boom, here's a ton of hops. And it a is, ton of weed. And a ton of weed. That's great. That's that's really good, dude. I know. It's pretty great. Um. Yes, yeah, super light drinking. I also think maybe on, on our show, a little another peek behind the curtain here, we tend to, if we have two beers, which we almost always do on the show, sometimes three, but it's been a while, we'll almost always order them so that the lower ABV comes first. Mm -hmm. But I think in a situation like this, it might have been smarter to put this one first because I think the heaviness of that first IPA, like really maybe even sneakily makes this feel lighter than it is. Like maybe. obviously it drinks light, but yeah. I'm sort of subconsciously comparing it to the first one because it's the last beer I drink. I'm not. Okay. Good for you. You're more objective <laughs> than me. But but I mean regardless, it is really, really smooth, really light. Um super, super danky. I need to take another drink, but I'm 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 digging it more than I thought I would off the off the bat. Yeah, it's true. It's a tremendous drinking experience. It's got that light body that just makes me want to keep drinking it. Like I am shocked that a beer that is labeled as this hoppy and that's what they present and uh -huh. they pull it off how refreshing it is it's scary like, this is like a quenching yeah dank like hop pot bomb yes hot cross buns hot, hot pot cross bomb. Bomb. <laughs> yes this yeah. is no it's fire dude i really am into everything that they're putting down uh the nectaron i know we've had that we by have. itself in a few beers i really enjoy that hop i think it adds a lot of fun notes into beers and it Blends well with the Mosaic and Simcoe. Yeah. Um, not super familiar with Columbus Cryo, um, but if that's what's giving it, that's what they said. It infused mm -hmm. with, you know, the Columbus Cryo gave it the, in the piney, tangy marijuana yeah, yeah. notes. Right. So, man, what a punchy intro. And then it's just, it's balanced. It's refreshing, quenching. 
viciously hoppy. It's a solid beer, dude. This is like this is a beer that's made for me. Like this is so up my alley. It's not even funny. And I I don't think we said it just now, but this is the one that is also it's a collaboration with Cellar Maker. Yeah. And Shred. Yeah. Um you I mean obviously you're more experienced with Cellar Maker than Shred, so am I. So is probably everybody. They've been around longer. Do you taste the Cellar Maker influence here? Absolutely. How how many Cellar Maker beers do you think you've had in in your life? Different beers. 15, 15 yeah. different different beers. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. I man, I was feeling like kind of cocky and I was like four or five. Yeah. Um I mean they've got five of them at SNS right now. They do? Yeah. So that's yeah. easily achieved at that's this nice. point. But yeah, okay. they've got a pretty good board at their tap room in San Francisco. Like I've okay. gone and just yeah. had little five ounce pours of almost everything on the board. Right. And you know, they did like a barrel-aged coffee and cigarettes that was tremendous. But yeah. Oh, that's right. Coffee and cigarettes is cellar maker. Yeah. That's right. So okay. I'm I'm very well versed with this brewery. Do you think that their best offerings tend to be hoppy ones? Or I know you love coffee and cigarettes, which is a porter, but or yeah, a but, smoked porter, but smoked porter. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's fairly specific. Mm-hmm. Um I would say their their hazies and their their hoppy IPAs are where they really yeah. shine for me. They're hoppies. They're, they're IPAs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably, that's kind of my experience too. Like I told you off the air, I was at our friend of the show, The Handlebar, last night and I was having a beer with our podcast intern, Rob. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the name of it, but I remember seeing Cellar Maker on the list and and I was going to order for both of us. So I didn't want to take too long. So I was like, we'll just take the Cellar Maker. And it was good. Like that one actually had a bit of a, um, a bit of a heaviness to it. I think it was still a West Coast, but it didn't drink quite like the new school refreshing west coast it felt Mm -hmm. it felt almost almost like one of those beers that you think you deserve a pat on the back for for finishing it does that make in a good way yeah like oh like you did an undertaking like achievement unlocked yeah um still good um this is quite a bit better Mm -hmm. um which i will attribute to the influence of shred being involved i'm gonna check the date on this can too by the way i assume there is one um this was november 28th we're we're like three weeks yeah it tastes stupid fresh dude um, that is so good. And the Snapple fact of the can is large, I got it, large Simk, Simk doses. It might say Simco, but the, the OE is gone, so it says large Simco. Or maybe it's Sim, Simp? I doubt it. Um, I also messed that up. That's okay. I'll put it back. Um, it's really good. Tell me what you don't like about it. Nothing. There's nothing you dislike. How much of this... this um, feeling you're having is influenced by your desire to put this very cool label on our label table. Not at all. That said, I think you're probably gonna. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, what if I think it's also a perfect beer? How do we deal with this? I'll fight you. You know what we do is we we cut the table down the middle, down this line, and we split it. And we put half of it on your side and half on mine. I wouldn't be against that. I, it's not, though. I mean, hypothetically, in the future. This isn't it for me. You can have this label. Okay. It's very good. Yeah. No, this is a beer tailor-made for my beer-drinking sensibilities. This is what I am most into right now. Unless you're a banging Italian pilsner. Yeah. This is what this is I your want. Thing. This is what I want. For me, this beer is perfect. This is – it's got every single thing I want in a West Coast IPA. It's got the ABV. It's got the absolutely enjoyable mouthfeel. Great drinkability. It's beautiful on the on the palate, front to back. It's got a nice, pleasant finish. It's so viciously hoppy, but not in a way that blows your palate out. That's the that best is thing the key, about dude. it. It's not yeah. gonna wreck your night. Okay, you could have another beer after this and still taste something, and you just don't get that like ever. Beers that are this hoppy, usually I'm gonna drink that the rest of the night if I'm at a bar because that's all I'm gonna taste. 
But, yeah, yeah. But this, I think, wouldn't limit you in that way. But if you found this in a bar, you're not changing anyways. No. Because it's so good, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah. But you're right. But it, it reaches that level of being so hoppy, but somehow not overbearing and um, bullying with the hops. Yes. That's just perfect, man. It's perfect. It's a 10. Of course it is. I it's a 10. It. I wrote it down for you. It's, it's a, a 10. 10. It's a 10 for you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to give them my rating, which I think will become clear. I hope. At least I want to make you guess at it. It's super good. I mean, everything you said is right. It's it's a it's a beer where the the oppressive hop bitterness quality that does limit a palate very often is missing, mm-hmm. and it's such a hard balance to find that. Like you you get beers. It's it's not that it's easy to get a to make a beer that has distinguished, sharp, defined hop characteristics. That's that's already an achievement. Mm-hmm. But if you can do that and achieve the balance that the beer doesn't force you to never drink another style in the immediate future. I mean, it's, it's top tier gold. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of sweetness that comes through on the end for me that kind of undercuts that hot bitterness in, in a way that does make it feel a little, little, little bit tiring, just slightly. I also think and this is, again, we go kind of back and forth on the show. At least I do. Like, sometimes I'll rate a beer super objectively. Like, this, look, it's it's a Saison. I don't like Saison, so I will rate it based on the style it's trying to be. Mm-hmm. I am rating it on that, but I'm also, I love this style. My feelings are getting involved. So I'm getting involved, yeah. Yep. So, so, so I'm not even saying objectively that's a bad quality. Yeah. I'm veering into the personal. Yeah, which it's is good. slightly too carbonated. I mean, people don't want to listen to robots. They, right. They, well, they, they want the personal. It's just a little too carbonated. It's really? It's slightly there. Okay. Um, I could see that. It's a little effervescent. I'm already feeling a little bit burpy, mm-hmm. and I've had- I've, um, I've burped maybe four times. Yeah. Um, I just, it's a beer that's so good, I want to approach it from a critical perspective as a beer that I'd want to drink again or have more of. I don't love burping all the time, and it's one that's going to make me feel, and, and burping's fine, but I feel bloated. Before you burp, you're bloated. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's a beer that sits kind of in there and makes you feel almost like that scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Augustus Gloob or the uh, Blueberry? No, no, neither. Um, the Soda Pop. Oh. Where they start floating. Fizzy lifting. Sure. Um, and it's just a little too much. And I'm, I'm clearly, like, I'm trying to paint a, an elaborate picture for a thing that's a, a fairly small variable. Yeah. But it's not a perfect beer for me. But it's... Damn good. Mm-hmm. What is my rating, Johnny Summers? It's over nine. I don't go over nine. Oh, that's right. It's a nine. It's a nine. Yeah, it's really good. It's a ten for you. It's a nine for me. Um, again, available at SNS. I think grab it for sure. I will race you there. We should get more. Um, uh huh. We. I'm gonna buy more. We've got an event tonight for our podcast. We can't probably. We could. We could grab it on the way and bring it to share with our our, our patrons, but uh, we'd be pushing it on time probably. Depends, but they, I mean, it'd be. Yeah. Do you know? It'd be great to get this beer in in kegs. Though I bet you the brewery's so new, they're probably not even like sending out kegs yet. Cellar maker? No, shred. So this was manufactured by cellar maker. Oh, this was as, oh, as a collab with shred. That's why you were talking about the asterisk. In yeah. the beginning. Okay. Well, then yeah, we should see if we can get a keg of this or something. It's very good. I'll put um, it on my house. I'm sure we have an annual event coming up for for supporters of the show. At Obviously. some point in the next couple of months, yeah. we must. Sometimes, have sometime in the next twelve, it'll be months. like January or February. In the next twelve <laughs> months, we will have an annual and event. If we don't, we owe you a sticker. Exactly. Um, okay, Johnny Summers. Anything else on macrodose from um, Shred? Oh, I'm and so stoked, beer. dude! Like to be surprised by a beer at this stage. I mean, this is you say our at this age stage and at this age, <laughs> but I mean, dude, yeah. just professionally doing this podcast. Sure. This is our 648th beer that we've uh, tried. 
that might be right. I think it's more than that. No, it's episode. Oh, you're right. You're episode right. three twenty four. Yeah. Two beers a show. Bonus episodes. Professionally, I mean, they haven't heard all the bonus. Well, they episodes. haven't, but we've tasted the beers. Yeah. We've tried That's on this show just on the main seven hundred plus beers. Yeah, for sure. Just oh, yeah, on the just main. main, and then not to mention what we do in our personal lives. Yeah. So like. I love being wowed. I mean, it's the reason we do this is to find these hidden treasures, these diamonds in the rough of film, television, albums, everything. If you're in the pursuit of greatness in any facet that requires creative input, it's fun to find these things and it's reinvigorating. And sometimes it's easy to get bored with beer and it's like, you know, I can get beard out. And like, if I'm at a nice beer bar, I'd try four of the six things that they have on tap. Mm -hmm. It's time for a cocktail. You know? Yeah. Is there, is there, you know, this is the thing we should do for a bonus episode is like we put together a draft list at our dream bar mm. and it's all beer. And it's like, and, and what that really is, is like our top 20 beers of all time. But it's more fun to think of it as like, let's build our own bar and we'll put. Yeah. But it'd be different because if it's one bar, we'd have to decide on a lager, on oh, two IPAs, on two West. Do we have like, like a draft limit or is it like a burgers yeah. and brew situation where they have like no. know, 50? <laughs> we should do 12 taps. 12. 12. What are you basing that on? That's a solid number for a mid-sized beer bar. Uh, it feels low to me. I guess like I guess like four or three different sort of three different sets of four tap handles seems. I can picture that. Twelve is an absolutely yeah. perfect amount of tap handles. All right, we could come up with that. Yeah. We get a lager. We get a couple IPAs. Two loggers. We get a nitro tap. At least two loggers. We should do this on Patreon. That'd be fun. Okay, I'm gonna make a note because that actually no that that, that would fun. actually be a lot of fun. Yeah, because uh, I've helped bars cure. I mean, I've curated a bunch of draft lists. Not that sounds cock to say, but no, like I've helped beer buyers establish, you know, a lineup, and it's fun. I just from the production side of my brain. I know you just misspoke. You said cocky. I'm just saving myself an edit. I know you misspoke. I think that's okay on the radio. Sure. Just double. Obviously. You, I think like the glitch was the sound. It was, but good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Uh, that was, that was a COA on, on my end. Um, we should do that. 12 beers on draft at our imaginary Fresh Hop Cinema Bar. Yeah. And we'll tell you what Fresh Hop Cinema Bar. Fresh Hop Cinema Bar. Man. That sounds like Cinnabon. You know the original, well, we can talk about it later. Um, okay. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you have feedback on anything we have discussed today, and chances are if you've been listening uh, and have a personality, you'll have feedback, I would guess, right? Like you must have thoughts on beers or movies or something. When you consume any form of media and it makes you feel something. That's feedback. You can share how that made you feel. (laughs) That constitutes as feedback. Yeah. uh, If it made you feel nothing, I want to know so I can stay the f*** away from you. Yeah, let us know either way. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, Our phone number is 530 Four three three zero eight three nine. Take out a pen. Take out your phone. Because here it is again. Five three zero four three three zero eight three nine. Or if you're easy like this, you can just send us a good old fashioned email. Our email address is fhccast at gmail.com. Did you rhyme that on purpose? Yep. As a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable, hot and bothered, or if you want to go digging through seven plus years worth of episodes dating back to 2016. Man alive, that's a lot of content that we're just giving you guys. <laughs> sure. Head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. Yeah, we'll be back on the radio waves of KZFR next Saturday, 4 p.m. So until then, consume some films and or beers that broaden your horizons, make you think, make you enjoy uh, ancient traditions of Japanese cinema that has been reinvigorated despite an American effort to uh, squash them down into something meaningless. 
Um, and if you enjoyed the show today, you can leave a tip for the radio station at kzfr.org. Please enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to those of you currently, uh, I don't know, uh, cleaning out your garage or scrubbing your bathroom floors or cooking dinner uh, and listening in podcast form, we'll be right back with the aforementioned Hot and Bothered. Hot and Welcome to Hot and Bothered. It's the part of the show where we catch up with each other, and you're lucky enough to be a part of it. You're welcome. I actually do have all sort of topical stuff this week. Um, you, uh, you don't. You've got some other stuff. Um, I'm a wild card. Start baby. with the thing, if you would, um, that relates to me, because you owe me a thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Tell them why. Um, I never used yours. But you have sworn for years by your bidet. It's not just me. It's it's every developed non-American country. I don't talk to those motherfuckers. I talk to you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair. You swear by it, and I trust your opinion. Did you already say what it is? You said a bidet, right? Your bidet. Yeah. Yeah. You've been swearing by it forever, mm -hmm. and obviously, you are not in the minority here. Everyone... I'm in the minority. Am I right? That's minority. a joke for me only. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. God damn it. <laughs> Um, no, yeah. Yeah, you've sworn by it for years. Like, Dude, it's a total game changer. I love it, you know? And yeah. it's not like you, you proselytize and talk about your bidet more than like you should. I don't like walk into bars yelling, hey, get a bidet. But like if it comes up, if... You should get a shirt that just says, ask me about my bidet. Yeah. Hey, yeah. how's your bidet? Yeah. There's good merch opportunities there. Yes. All that to say, uh, me and, and the missus were talking about uh, getting one. And she just pulled the trigger on like the base model, $20. Yeah. Tushy style, mount it under the seat. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. Yeah. Right? Sure. Uh, it's a game changer. I know. I, I know. did a dry slash wet run. Wet run. Didn't have to use the restroom. Oh, but sure. drop trowel because uh, I installed it kind of late at night after a few beers. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And I wanted to like, it took five minutes. Like, and I wanted it's super to, easy. And I wanted to try it out. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. when I use the restroom normally, it's, it's, it's 6 a.m. You got to go out the door. Like you're well, you're not like sitting and installing it in the morning. No, exactly. No, I wanted to use it, like feel it. I wanted the experience. You need to know where it's shooting. I didn't want to be surprised at six a.m. Yes, right. Yes, I'm yes. not going into battle without with an untested rifle. Of course. So did a little dry run, turned into a wet run. Yep, it was great. Loved it. So yep. refreshing. Yeah, a wet it, run also something you need a bidet to deal with. Exactly. Right? So good. No, nah, man. Best twenty bucks you can spend. Yeah, I I have told more people about it than I probably should have. People and don't I'm, ask. Nobody's like, "Hey, what's your like your your what's your your toilet hygiene?" Like nobody wants to bring it up. But but it, I heard it, and here's the reason I kind of pulled the trigger on it initially is because there's a comedian who I think it might be a fellow named Daniel Sloss who is Scottish. Okay, and he talks about he he makes an analogy which is basically like. And it's a little bit gross, but I think it's it's obviously appropriate for this conversation. And I think it's necessary to get the point across, which is like if some for some reason, like you know, like you put your hand like and you like gotten dog poop or something, or like you put it on your face, like you got feces on you. What are you gonna do? You're not just gonna wipe it off. You're not just gonna grab toilet paper and like just what's that? So the same logic applies. Like you're gonna you're gonna wash it off. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy for you. Congratulations on your bidet. Thank you. I feel like uh, the like the other day. That was the first day of the rest of my butt's life. Yeah, it's a it's a big step. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Um, what else you got? Why Why are you talking about last week tonight with John Oliver? I think uh, the new season's amazing. Oh, good. If you haven't watched it, mm -hmm. it's been absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I will say there is one running through line for about four episodes. Yes. What is he it? He does silly gags, but they're also like. 
in the real world. It's fantastic. He found out about New Zealand's bird of the century competition. So okay. New Zealand was going to vote and whatever bird. Do you know about this? No. So you found out about it as well. Through the show. Okay, got yeah. it. So he discovered the New Zealand bird of the century contest mm-hmm. and he found out anyone in the world could vote. Awesome. So he decided to insert himself oh. as the campaign manager for the, um, I can't remember the bird. Please it's, try. Oh, poo poo teke teke. Bird of the year? Bird of the century. century. Uh, just, yeah, bird of the century. Uh, Don't look at that. I'm poo, looking at that. Poo teke I think maybe it's puking bird. No. Puking bird. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, that's kind of why he picked it. Uh, spoiler alert. Sure. He helped this bird win bird of the century. He's like promoting this on his stuff like while it's happening, right? Like he's got a following of millions. He got um, like New York Times, uh, the billboards. Mm-hmm. In that's great. multiple countries. He put up billboards in India. Sure. And he was like flying planes over beaches in France with a banner. Yeah. It Like he goes silly with that's it. That's great. And it's fantastic. Sweet. So it's a silly goose good time. And yeah, you got to watch I'll it. I'll check it out. Cool. Uh, what else got? Last thing. Uh, I've been really enjoying uh, HBO's content. I've been watching Hard Knocks, the documentary series about... Uh, whatever football team the NFL and HBO decides to make it about. Okay. Uh, and Hard Knocks, they do, like the last one was the Detroit Lions. It was all about their preseason and going into the season mm-hmm. and off-season stuff. They're doing one now. It's called Hard Knocks In-Season, and okay. it's following around the Miami Dolphins. Gotcha. Uh, and it's a, it's a really enjoyable documentary-style look at the inner workings of a football team from the practices to the coaches' meetings to how the players interact with each other mm-hmm. to players personalize off the field, trials, tribulations, injuries, surgeries. You know, somebody gets injured, this guy that's been a bench warmer for five years gets to step in and has his moment. Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely big dude bro energy. Do you see... Do you see my? I'm you like I'm really over. trying to like stay no. like I'm trying to like look at you and be like Max, yes this I'm like singing the NFL theme song in my head. Da, 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 I'm just like da, listen. It's like I'll talk yeah. to you. <laughs> it's not for you. Keep going. Yeah, you, I don't think you'd like it. I wouldn't no. recommend it to no. you. If you like football and you want kind of a deeper like peek behind the curtain sure. of how a team operates and also because they have excellent footage of games. Like they'll follow the team all week, mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. ready. Then a bunch of the players are mic'd up, and the coaches are mic'd up. It's mm-hmm. it's just a real, real peek behind the curtain. Sweet, and I'm enjoying it. Love and that. That's all I'll say because you're fair you're, enough. You're turning into a I'm gla- there. I'm gla- there. Glazed donut in the uh, eyes. If that doesn't interest you, and you're still here for the movies, I've got I got some movie stuff to talk about. Um, I've watched uh, well, I've watched actually probably four other movies this week, but two that, that are applicable to sort of what's going on in the world of movies. Um, I will tell you about them. The first one, which I recommended to you, Johnny, is called Reptile. I'm opening up my movie uh, journal, which I've just bought myself as an early Christmas present. Nice. Um, the movie's called Reptile. Uh, it was directed by Grant Singer. It's his feature film debut. It's a it's a, like a crime thriller on Netflix. It runs two hours and 16 minutes. Isn't the dude from NSYNC in that? Uh, yes, Justin Timberlake does show up in it, but it also does Benicio Del Toro. Sick. Um, Love him. Alicia Silverstone's in there um, and a few others. Um, it's so it's essentially like kind of an old school crime noir kind of thing where, uh, there's this detective who is Benicio del Toro. Um, 
I'm actually not sure if he's a detective. He's a, he's a cop doing sort of the beat, and uh, there's a, a, a mysterious murder that he's put in charge of and then solves it. And then sure enough, he's like, I got a bad feeling about this case. Some things don't add up. Um, and it's like super moody. Um, I'm looking over my notes here just to just to make sure that I hit all the stuff that I want to talk about. Um, Can I ask a question please? real quick? Yeah, of course. Main, who is the main character? Benicio Del Toro. Cool. I yeah. love him. He's great. Um, people have, I, I, he, he's fantastic in this. I think one of the things they're using is like a promo point on the Netflix thing is like Del Toro's best since Sicario, I which say, I think might be true. Really? He's, okay. he's playing sort of like a middle-aged guy who's, who's sort of been beaten down, but still has his sort of ideals for what police work should be and, and, and believes in something better, which is great because you get the sense there's a corrupt kind of system underneath it all. I love that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, it had sort of the tonal vibes of what I was looking for from the David Fincher's the killer. Um, which I, you, I would have told me if you watched that. Yeah. Um, it's it's really great. I mean, like he's he's like a married man and he's trying to do his best to still be a relevant cop and it, it's really layered. He's not he's not like a hot shot and in in Sicario because it's an easy comparison point. He was like mysterious but sort of not one-dimensional but like he had a singular goal and by the end of that movie it becomes clear. And here he's conflicted. It's 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 a little pulpy. It's a little gross. It's a little spooky. It's a little creepy. Justin Timberlake does a great job cuz he's one of those actors that has like you want to like him. He's very likable, I've found. Um, so you don't trust him. And whether or not you should, you'll have to watch the movie. Um, but it's great. I gave it an 8 out of 10, 4 out of 5. That's a high books. rating. Really good movie. Um, and again, that was called uh, Reptile. It's on Netflix. I feel like a lot, like nobody's really talking about that movie. I they? don't know. But I watched it, and it was really fun. Nice. Um, this is just a footnote, because I was in that sort of detective noir mood. I watched LA Confidential for the first time. Which is Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Spacey also. Yeah. Have you seen it? And uh, what's her name? Kim Bassinger? Uh, yep. She's yep. in it. Yep. Great um, movie. 97. I don't know. Great how, movie. I don't know how it holds up, but what I remember. No, it was great. Cool. It was I've, great. It's like the original good cop, bad cop. It's confidently so throughout great movie. Yeah. God, great. I hope there was nothing like problematic. There's in some that. problematic stuff, but it's fine. Like there's a lot of like like homophobia in that yeah. movie. Um, mostly aimed at the Guy Pierce character because he's kind of like a nerd. He wears mm -hmm. glasses and he's slender i don't know yeah that's it's fine it doesn't like harp on it too much it's still just, really great dude just wait till 2023 also it's narrated you'll be hot in like a in like a smoky cigarette kind of um talk about pulpy yeah in uh like like by danny devito yeah he's just well, like, it's right so he like runs like a tabloid paper and he's just like so you just hear his voice and it's almost like someone's just going it was I can't do a Danny DeVito impression, but like it's him and you don't expect it. You expect like a sort of like a, a whiskey drinking kind of like a, like a Sam Elliott kind of character, mm -hmm. but it's nice. Danny DeVito. <laughs> That's great. He's... It's like, it's got this self-awareness that I think is really great in that movie. Um, not the point. The other movie I saw is called leave the world behind. Yes. And that just came out. Brand um, new. Brand new. Uh, it's like a thriller sort of post apocalyptic, not post apocalyptic, apocalyptic thriller kind of. Um, Mahershala Ali, Mahershala right? Ali, Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, um, Kevin Bacon shows up like a pretty solid cast. Um, it was directed by Sam Esmail. Um, it's, 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 here's what I wrote. I wrote, uh, truthfully went in blind, uh, just basically on the merits of the cast. Everyone's terrific. Um, each character has an arc. There's some that are more satisfying than others. I think that's probably almost a given. Um, it's, it almost watches more as like a very, very visually ambitious character study than it does like a thriller. Um, there's lots of like Hitchcockian sort of camera angles. And like, I think even in the opening credits, there's like a staircase that is like basically the 
cover of the movie Vertigo. Um, but like very ambitious, very fun to watch. It feels like it's made by a filmmaker who has a lot of energy and wants to make things, which seems kind of rare these days. Like you find somebody who's like, it's, it's clear that their excitement for what they're doing comes through in the project. Nice. Um, I also think Ethan Hawke is great. Mahershala Ali is great. Is he uh, ever not? No, he's always amazing. Yeah. Um, I'd love to rewatch it. If you want to check it out, I'd watch it with you. Um, it's a movie that doesn't, it sort of breaks the mold of traditional uh, conclusions in a way. I don't want to say too much, but okay. um, it leaves a lot of things open. And I think if I watch it again, like there's probably some stuff that I miss. There's a lot of metaphorical stuff in there, but it's very great. Um, and yeah, it's like a gorgeous movie. Nice. Uh, again, it's Leave the World Behind. I ended up giving that a seven out of 10. With that cast. I know. Like, and it's on Netflix. Again, I was on a Netflix kick, so you can watch either of those two movies, even LA Confidential. So all three movies also on Netflix. Um, check them out if you... Watch them. Let me know what you think. Dope. And that's kind of what I got for Hot and Bothered this week, my friend. You got anything else? No. I kind of want to watch those movies. I got to carve some time out. Just do it. Just well, I watch, too, I watch too much TV. But put on a movie instead. I know. It's, it's, it's also like, and I think chronically you're more of a series guy and I'm more of a movies guy. That's our rules. But that's there's something are. so satisfying about like starting a movie at eight o'clock at night and then you finish the thing in two hours and then you go to bed. Yeah. You've just like, you've done it. Like that's the whole thing. It doesn't take up too much time and you're like, it's a piece of history to some extent, like some of these will be, and mm -hmm. some are trash, but yeah. you know, like LA Confidential, I think is a, is a cornerstone of like, not even neo-noir, but like even newer than that. Like, like in the same vein as like the nice guys, like mm. self-aware kind of, it's not a comedy, but like self-aware neo-noir. Yeah, but it's is not, like, not. Uh, LA Confidential. Yeah. And the nice guy is definitely a comedy. Yeah. Um, there's funny moments in LA Confidential, but it's, it's very serious. Yeah. But it still doesn't fall in line with something like, you know, like Chinatown. And it's not like Blade Runner where it's like a spin on Neo Noir. It's 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 like its own thing. And I think it deserves a place in like cinema history. And I, now I've seen it. And I watched yep. it in one night. Actually, no, I did. And I was like, okay, now I've seen this. And now I wrote about it and I've seen it. Versus like, you know, I guess the next season's coming out. I'm going to watch 90 more episodes of a show. Mm -hmm. And it just never ends. So I think there's something nice about movies. In You're that not wrong. Respect. You so carve out some time. If you, Johnny Summers, have a chance to see these, tell me. Okay. We'll talk about them. Sounds good. As usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi and everybody on Patreon who uh, we'll be seeing in, I 30, would say, about 45 minutes. 45 minutes. <laughs> We're going to see some go. of you at a bar hang. Um, if you want to hang out with us, you can join us on Patreon, slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Um, throw a .com in there somewhere. And you can join us at bar hangs. You can join us at events at our homes where we drink beers. and Throw a .com at the end. Sure. See what happens. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I got. Go check out the handlebar for a sweet happy hour. And my name is Max Minardi. My name's Johnny Summers. To the camera, Johnny. Whoa. Hi. <laughs> my name's Johnny Summers. I'm Max Minardi. Drink some tasty beers. I mean, ideally, this Cellar Maker beer, it was a 10. Yeah. I think you should drink that this week. But watch whatever makes you happy. Be kind to someone today, tomorrow. Every day. Every day. It's one, one person a day. Yes. You don't have to be kind to everybody. That's unrealistic. <laughs> no, it's unrealistic. And quite frankly, you'd be an idiot. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Just be nice. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema. <laughs>